like a Greek word every now and then? All right, it's alelon, alelon. And alelon is used a bunch of times. Actually, it's used a hundred times in the New Testament. And its English translation is one another. And what we're doing today, and Lord willing, next Sunday is, we're uh, helping ourselves ease back into our building and back into a more face-to-face corporate life by looking at a whole bunch of the one another's of the New Testament. So that's where we're going. But before we do, I want to issue you, I want to issue a caution. I want to give you a concern. And the concern is, please don't forget the mission. Now, here's what I mean by that. So, We're going to take two weeks, Lord willing, and look at all these one another's, one another. We're coming back together to exercise and perform these one another's. There's going to be lots of interaction that we've been missing. We're so glad to be back together again. And I'm afraid, I'm afraid we're going to get so one anothered, so excited to be together and to do these one another's again, that we, we might lose sight of the mission. What is the mission? Why do the one another's even matter? Why does it even matter that we love one another? Why did the Lord leave us on the planet? Because the mission is to preach the gospel to every creature on the planet, to make disciples of all nations, to lead people to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, and then to help them grow. It is, did you see on the wall as you came in? It's bring in. Did any of you look up? Some of you didn't look up. You need to look up. It's bring in and build up. And there's a, kind of a, there's a kind of a gravity, I mean the kind of gravity like it holds you down inside of every church that holds us inside. It's like anybody watched the recent SpaceX NASA launch? Was that cool or what? Thank you, Mr. Elon and others who made that happen. And they have a gravity problem. They have many problems to deal with. But they have a gravity problem. How do we get this big, heavy thing out of the atmosphere, and to get it out of there, to break through the gravity, to rise up above the gravity, they've got to apply a lot of energy and create a lot of power and a lot of force. And I think local churches are kind of like that. There's a gravity of love for one another that holds us together and close and inside, and we can be all focused on what do we, 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 we have in here. And what somebody has to do, or a number of somebodies, I'll be one of them, we have to exercise and spend some energy to keep us breaking free of that gravity so we also go out there. You all know what I'm talking about? Does this make any sense? There's this tremendous pull to become inward, inward, inward. So just please promise me, I'm not even, I'm going to stop this sermon right now if you won't promise me. Promise me that two weeks of one another is not going to ruin us for the mission of bringing in. Do you all promise? That was very lame. All right, that's it. Sermon over. Let's pray. Going home. All right, not really. But you all need to do better than that. So there's my concern. I've issued it. Now, we're going to start at the broad end of the funnel. It's going to take me a few minutes to get to the first specific one another. First, I want to inform you with some random facts about the New Testament one another's. Here they are. Got a bunch of them. So, first, of the 100 uses of one another in the New Testament, there are 100 of them, uh, 47 of them have to do with 
uh, what believers should do to other believers. 47 of them give direction on how to behave with other believers. So there's 101 and others in the New Testament, but more than half of them uh, aren't giving us direction. They're just like the scribes and Pharisees were with one another. The disciples were with one another. There's no direction in that. There's no command in that. But 47 of the one another's of the New Testament are directed to us. They are commands. They're telling us things that we are supposed to do. Now, don't worry. We're not going to look at all 47 of them. I've been selective, but we're going to look at some of them. Here's the second random fact about the New Testament one and others. There's only one of them in the Gospels that gives direction to believers about how we're supposed to treat each other. And it is the Lord Jesus saying, we're going to look at the verse a little later. It's the Lord Jesus saying, I want you to love one another. So the Lord Jesus only gives us one, one another. One duty we're to perform with and for each other, and it was the reigning duty, the the ruling duty, the highest duty. All the others are done in this. It is love one another. And the Lord Jesus left it to his apostles, and mainly to the apostle Paul, to flesh out what that will look like in terms of all kinds of other one another's. Here's a third interesting thing about a random fact about these one another's. Paul, the Apostle Paul, wrote 60% of them. The Apostle Paul wrote 60% of them. I like Paul. Paul was brilliant. He was a scholar. He was a theologian. He was into Scripture. He wrote more than half of the New Testament. And at the same time, he was on mission. No one, no other believer, no other Christ follower has ever been so on mission as was the Apostle Paul. He went everywhere, suffered everywhere that he went, preached the gospel, led people to Christ, planted churches, built them up, wrote them letters. Nobody was as brilliant and theological and scriptural and on mission as the Apostle Paul. But we see in the fact that he wrote a a large number of the one and others that he was also very relational. Wow, that's a total package. Theologian, into scripture, into truth, on mission, leading people to Christ, and yet really into brothers and sisters in Christ, loving one another and ministering to one another. I want to be like Paul, the total package, as he's following Christ. Here's another random fact. I just, I put this one in there. It's kind of tongue-in-cheek, but I thought you'd like to know it. Four of them are about kissing. However, none of them are about sloppy, wet kisses. Just thought I'd throw that in there. There's a John McMillan song, John Mark McMillan song. Sloppy wet kiss created a lot of controversy in churches. Can we sing the sloppy wet kiss? Yes, you can sing this. Never mind. Don't go there. (laughs) There are actually five verses in the New Testament, we'll see this a little later, that urge us to kiss one another. Uh, Only four of those five have the word one another. The other one is by Peter, 1 Peter 5. He says, greet one another. No, he says, greet all with a kiss of love. He doesn't use one another, but there are four about kissing with one another and a fifth about everybody and kissing. Isn't it funny? The New Testament five times says, y'all ought to kiss each other. 
Now, how do you apply that in COVID distancing? We're going to talk about that a little bit. All right, here's a sixth point about these um, New Testament one another's. Six, some of them are negative duties, things we should not do to one another. I'll give you an example. Don't grumble about each other. Some of them are negative duties. Don't. While most of them are positive duties, here's what you should do. Oh, I got that mixed up, didn't I? Positive is first in your outline. So there are positive and negative. And then uh, seventh, by way of introduction here, random facts about these New Testament one and others. You can group them. So here's what I did. I, I got as comprehensive a list as I could find of all the one another. See, some of them are repeated. So it's not like there's 100 or 47 different ones. But I tried to get every single one, one example of every single one, and then look at them and think, can I fit these into categories? Do they go into groups? And they, they did. They very easily went into groups. And I, I made a groups of uh, related one another's, and I'll, I'll put it up here for you. So uh, the groups of related one another's are one-third of them simply instruct us, simply say, love one another. So... That's the biggest group of all the groupings you can make. One thing is repeated so many times, love one another, love one another, love one another, love one. How many times do you want me to say it? Are you getting it? Love one another, love one another. This is what the New Testament says over and over and over and over. You read the book of 1 John. If you take out the love one another, all you're left with is chapter headings. It's all love one another, love one another. One third of them simply say love one another. Then a third of them deal with how we are to get along. Instructions on how to get along with one another. Isn't that interesting? There are a lot, a lot, a lot of instructive one another's in the New Testament that aim at teaching us how to get along with each other. What does that say about us? We're not so good at getting along sometimes, huh? We need a lot of help getting along with one another. So there's a whole bunch of them are about that. And then one third of them address the attitudes that underlie our unity, especially attitudes like humility and deference. So there's how you can group them together and that's how we're going to look at them in those groups. All right, so enough preliminaries. Who wants to guess which is the first one another that we're gonna look at? What's it about? What's it say? Oh, come on, y'all. It says love one another, all right? It says love one another. Here it is, John 13, 34. And I know I had this verse up there just a couple weeks ago. I'm not forgetting that, but it's worth it looking at it again. Some of the one another's just tell us to love one another. We're in that category now. And here's one, John 13, 34. A new commandment. I give to you. Now, stop there. How is this a new commandment that they're to love one another? In the book of Leviticus, it says, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So how is this new? We're going to see. A new commandment I give you that you love one another. Here's what's new about it. Just as I have loved you. That command was not in the Old Testament. The Old Testament was love other people like you love yourself. 
That was the standard. This is a higher standard. This is a new command, and it's, yes, love people like yourself, love your neighbor as yourself, but I want to take the bar higher, and you're to love one another as I have loved you. Well, how has Jesus Christ loved us? With an incredible, powerful, everlasting love. And he says, that's where the bar is set now. New, new level, new commandment. And there's even a reason for it. Because by this, all people, you're left on the planet to be on mission to those people. Don't forget it. By this, all people will know that you're the real deal. All people will know that you are my disciples. They'll know it by this. If they look at you and you have this incredible level of love, it's like up to the level of as Jesus loves us, so we love one another. And they look in with all the turmoil. Is there any turmoil in the world right now? Is there any conflict? Is there any angst out there? They're supposed to look at us and say, wow, how do they get along like that? Look at how they love one another. So it's love is on a mission to convince the world that the Father sent the Son and they need him as their Savior. So there's uh, one verse about how we're to love one another. Let me give you a second one, and it presents it in a different way. This is from Romans chapter 12. And it says, love one another. And by the way, you all know about the word agape, right? But you might not know some of the other New Testament words for love. The last passage was the, the word agape. Um, don't overwork. In fact, don't work at all on trying to figure out what are the differences in meaning between Greek words for love. Let me give you a clue. They all mean love. All right. There are maybe slight nuances, if any, and we might see it here. This is not the word agape, love one another. It's philostorge. It's family love. And with brotherly affection is Philadelphia. Philadelphia is known as the city of brotherly shove. But this is to be a tribe of brotherly love. So Christ said in John 13, here's where I'm setting the bar. You're to love people. This is a new thing. You're to love people as I have loved you. Paul comes back in Romans and says, here's another way to see love. You're to love each other as family. Because in Christ, we really are family, blood-bought family. Like, remember that time Jesus is in a house speaking to a group, and they come in and say, Jesus, your mother's outside. She wants to talk to you. And instead, it's kind of cheeky of Jesus he does this. He says, uh, wait a minute, let me choose this to give you an object lesson. Who is my mother, and who are my brothers, and who are my sisters, but you who do the will of God? There's a new definition of family. There's a new family you become part of when you become a blood-bought, believing on Jesus Christ, disciple, and we really are brothers and sisters with one heavenly Father in Christ. We're supposed to feel that. Who are these people? They're not just a bunch of people I go to church with. They are my brothers and my sisters in Christ. 
So Paul says, I want you to love one another that way. Let me just tell you all something that happens here daily, here in Cornerstone Life, daily or almost daily. Maybe I'm exaggerating, but only slightly. So I'll have conversations with various ones of you. And a whole lot of the conversations with guys end with, or it might be texting and it ends with, or it might be email and it ends with, love you, bro. And then you know, the other one replies, love you too, bro. I don't know if you all are getting it. There's a lot of that. Sometimes I even get one of the sisters saying to me, love you, Pastor Steve. I'm looking at one right now who said it to me recently, and I said, love you, sister. It was holy. We were on the phone. No, we were FaceTiming. Yeah. But it's all right. I like that. Because family says to family, love you. And we're family. I like that. When men, brothers in Christ, can look at each other and have family love and express it. So, as we come back into the building, here's the first one another. We really, really, really want to emphasize and live out. I'm coming back. You just have this in your mind. Have it in your heart. I'm coming back into the Cornerstone building to love them. To love my brothers and sisters in Christ. And let me remind you, love gives. And love serves why am I coming back to the building? I know there are lots of other legitimate reasons, like I can't wait to get back because it's me. I'm going to like this. I'm liking this. I'm loving seeing your faces. Can't wait to see more. But there's a higher purpose because the highest command is love. And you're to come to church just like you go anywhere with this in mind. I'm going to love and give. I'm going to love and serve. I'm going to love and perform all the one another's for my brothers and sisters in Christ. That's why we're looking at them, because we're coming back into the building, and we're going we're gonna to love. And maybe that wouldn't hurt in our cultural circumstance, in our national circumstance, in our international circumstance. The whole world's going crazy. Maybe, maybe a church, a body of Christ, the church, believers everywhere, with all our differences and all our different backgrounds, loving and loving and loving and serving and giving to one another ought to be quite a testimony for the power of God in the life of souls. So as we come back, let's love. Now, I'm not going to leave love yet. I want to show you something interesting. Some of the one another's offer an interesting twist on love. They tell us about other things that we are to do in love. So let me give you an example quick so you know what I'm saying. Galatians 5.13, look at it with me, please. Through love, serve one another. Now, what's the main verb? Serve. So the commandment in that verse is serve. But now we're told how you do it, in what mode you do it, in what manner you do it. Serve, but don't do it grudgingly. Well, I got to do this or I'm going to look bad. Don't do it under compulsion. I guess since my kids are in the children's ministry, I need to sign up and help in the children's ministry. No, through love. I'm going to sign up in the children's ministry, which isn't even running now, 
because I'm going to love those kids and try to lead them to Christ. And I'm going to love their parents and give them an opportunity to sit up here undistracted by a two-year-old that can't sit still. And I'm going to love my church and I'm going to serve. Through love, serve one another. And that's just one example, but there could be many, many other examples. It's love that fuels your service. It's love that causes your service. It's love that motivates your service. This is going to be harsh. You ready for this? You not serving anybody, you don't love. Love always serves. Love always gives. God loved the world. He gave. Christ loved the church and gave. Husbands, love your wives and give yourself. Love always gives. Love is always other-oriented. Love always serves. So love doesn't come into church and sit down and say, okay, me, 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 me. Thank you very much. That was an eight. I'm going home. No, love says, where can I serve? Who can I take care of? Who can I minister to? I'm coming here for them. Uh, There are some more one another's that are about things we do in love. Ephesians 4, 2, please. There it is. Bearing, (laughs) bearing with one another in love. Now, what's the main verb? Bearing. Other translation, put up with each other. Anybody thinking of somebody right now who's in this local church and you know you have to kind of put up with them? They're a little hard for you? The Bible says you got to bear with other people. Why would, why would I have to bear with other people? Because they're weird. Because they do things that weren't done right. Ultimately, and each one of us say this, because they're not just like me. If you all would be just be just like me, I would never have to bear with any of you. If you would think like I think and value what I value and come to the conclusion, it would be so good. What's wrong with you all? Oh, you're not me. And that's why we have to bear with each other. But we're to do it in love. It's your love for that person that fuels, that motivates, that enables you to just, I'll just bear with that. I'll just absorb that to keep the relationship. I'll just let that go by. Bearing with one another in love. Here's another one. Another one of these where we see that some of the one another's are about things we do in love. Ephesians 4.15. We are to be speaking the truth in love. What's the verb? What's the main verb? Speaking truth. All right, there are people in the body of Christ who have that down. We call them sons of thunder. Man, they speak the truth. They're like a blunderbuss. Firing verses right at you. They speak the truth. They're ready to hammer you to the glory of God. What are you doing? I'm speaking the truth. There are others who really have love down, but they can't bring themselves to speak a word of truth that you need to hear. We're to be both. You're willing to speak the truth. Here's what that brother or that sister needs to hear right now. Dimitri, here's what's true. I got to tell you this. It's true. But I need to do it in love so that when I'm all done telling Dimitri the truth he needed to hear, he says, well, that hurt, but I could really feel his love. 
Maybe I don't even agree with what he said to me about the truth, but I could definitely feel his love, and so the relationship is okay. That's how we're to deal with one another. Speaking the truth in love. There's one more uh, of these. It's, yeah, greet one another. That's the main verb. How do I do it? With a kiss of love. So that's the first grouping. Remember, a third of the 47 are about love one another, love one another, love one another, love one another. And by the way, I'm not preaching this because you don't. I think this is very strong in this church. Is there room for growth? Is it a good idea as we come back into the building to focus on this? Especially with the craziness going on in our nation right now and all the divisions and all the tensions and all the challenges and, oh man, bad stuff happening and bad people reacting in bad ways and it's just insane. And you can be sure there are different viewpoints on those things in this church. Now, how are we going to come back together? In love, bearing with one another, forgiving one another, speaking the truth to one another, giving kisses of love to one another. All right, so that was the first group, and that took most of my time. But we're going to get started in the second group, which I thought I would get through today, but I'm not. But that's all right. We'll get started, and Lord willing, there's next week. And if there's not a next week, we're in heaven, and we don't need this sermon anymore. So it's all right. Second group. The second group is a third of the one another's, a third of the 47 one another's that give us direction. Paul wrote most of them. And let's put the heading up for them. There it is. Some of the one another's, this is our second group, are about how we get along with one another. They're all really how we get along in one another, with one another, and it should all, they should all be done in love. You could write in love after every one of them. But the second group, and it's huge, is one another's about how we get along with one another, which says our Savior, our Lord Jesus Christ, is very, very interested in, is very, very concerned about how we treat each other, how we get along with each other, how we maintain unity with each other. He is very concerned about that. So he addresses it a lot through the pens of his apostles. Here's the first one. Actually, these are pretty much going to be as they're found in order as you go through the New Testament. The first one is in Romans. So here we go with the first one of the one and others that's about how we get along. Romans 12, 16. Live in harmony with each other. Harmony, harmony. We had some musicians up here earlier, and sometimes three of them are singing in the microphones at once. And one of them was singing this note, and one of them singing that note, and one of them singing that note, and yet it all worked. It was harmony. And that's what Scripture is telling us we should be like as we do life together. We might be singing different notes, different emphases coming from different places, but it's all going to be in harmony. The Greek actually doesn't use the word harmony, however, but it's a good translation. It's fair. But the Greek is simply this. I'll put it in English. Um, The same unto one another thinking. So it's like German. They put the verb at the very end. You have to wait for the verb. The same 
unto one another thinking. Live in harmony is good enough. That's a good translation of the idea. They struggled there. How do we say this in English? It's a call to how we think about each other, not just what we do. It starts with our thinking. How do you allow yourself to think about other people? You're to think about them in love. You're to think about them in patience. You're to think about them in love like Christ loved us. You're to think about them in love like, bro- like family love, like brotherly love, like philostorge love, like Philadelphia love, like agape love. We are to live in harmony with one another. We are to think the same about each other. And that is, that's my brother in Christ. I'm going to love him. That's my sister in Christ. I'm going to love on her. No matter what the differences are, we're going to live in harmony with one another. Now, is that a verse tailor-made for a group of people easing their way? That's Brian's term. Easing their way back into the building. What are we going to do when we come back? Here's what we're going to do. We're going to live in harmony with one another. And the harmony is going to be sweet and beautiful. It's going to look and sound amazing. We're going to live in love. And in our day, with all of the stuff, we just, oh man, we got hit with coronavirus. We're still not all out of the woods with that one. Now we're hit with riots. Debbie and I went out to dinner on Thursday night. We had somebody come in and keep her mama. It's our first date night in 10 or 11 weeks or whatever it was. So we went up to the lodge in Hickory. Anybody like the lodge? Went up to the lodge, called, and they said, oh, yeah, just stop in. You'll be okay. It's walk-in, uh, outdoor dining. So we got there, and they said, uh, it'll be an hour. Well, heck, we don't want to wait an hour. So we drove down to Main Street and went to uh, the only place really open that had any available seats was over near the courthouse. It's called um, the Tower. Anybody been to the Tower? They had outside on the patio was open. There wasn't anybody there. There's like eight or ten tables, nobody there. But we, we went ahead and got in there, and then we looked over by the courthouse, and they had closed off Main Street, and there were like, I'm guessing, four or five hundred protesters from us to the back wall with megaphones and all of them with signs, and they filled the street and filled the sidewalks, and, and there were police. And so Debbie and I are sitting there thinking, hmm, I really don't want to go back to the lodge and wait an hour but should we be here? Is this a good or a bit? We stayed there, and it was okay. But I was making plans. What will I do if? (laughs) Um, Man, in a crazy time like this, what a verse. Because humans aren't doing very good at living in harmony with one another. But if we believers can show them how it's done, they're supposed to look at us and say, amazing. But let me just tell you, some of this stuff... Social justice issues, race issues are becoming very, very divisive in the church of Jesus Christ right now. I mean like at a national and international level. I mean like big time, big name leaders. This one writes an article and that one writes back with that article and they're not agreeing and there's feuding and there are strong words being said. This is really heightened right now in evangelical churches in the United States. I keep thinking, it doesn't seem to be here, or am I just missing it? Is it about to pop up here? Are we about to have trouble here? No, no. Here's what we're going to have. We're going to live in harmony with one another. Amen? 
The problem is, I don't even want to identify who I'm talking about. A certain group, there are certain positions that are like, if you don't agree with me, we're not going to live in harmony, right? If you don't agree with me, you're a racist. If you don't agree with me, you're Hitler. If you don't agree with me, I'm going to dox you. If you don't agree with me, we're going to... Uh, We're going to ruin your life and make you lose your job. If you don't agree with me, you're evil. See, that's, there's some of that in the church of Jesus Christ right now. So the one side is not able to say, we can just disagree and live in harmony. No, they think their view is equivalent with the gospel. We are speaking the truth. You're being divisive. It's a tricky issue. I hope I'm not getting in trouble even talking about it. Am I getting in trouble? Am I okay? All right. It's really something. So off topic, but I'm, I'm, I can do it because I'm not going to get through much of this anyway. So pastor friend of mine wrote me two days ago and he said, you, are you preaching on all this stuff Sunday? And uh, I wrote him back and said, being the manly, courageous man that I am, absolutely not. Told him I wouldn't touch it with a 10-foot pole. And he wrote me back and said, well, he is preaching on it this Sunday. We had a little discussion among the pastors. We're texting each other about, should we do this? Should we? And uh, I'm voting for let the sleeping dog lie. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. We're doing okay here. Let's keep doing okay here, all right? Because this stuff is not supposed to destroy us in the body of Christ where there is, here's what the issue was in their day very similar to the issue in our day, where there is neither Jew nor Gentile. There was tension in their day, racial tension, national tension, and it came into the church. The church catches the world's diseases. Where there is neither Jew nor Gentile, nor bond nor free. There's no black, there's no white, there's no woke, there's no non-woke. There's disciples of Christ who live in harmony with one another. Sigh. There's always something to divide up the body of Christ. There's always some disease out in the world spilling into the church. Let me give you one more verse. We'll come back to it next week. I just want to read it and say a word or two about it. So here's the next verse, Romans 15, 7. Therefore, Paul's dealing with Jew-Gentile issues in this passage. And he's given them some instructions. There's racial stuff going on in the church. Got Jewish people, got Gentile people, different cultures, different views, different backgrounds, different political views. And Paul says, here's what I want you all to do. I want you to welcome one another. It's the Greek verb, pros lambano, which the pros means really, 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 really. It's intensifying preposition. And lambano means receive. Really, really, really receive one another. So there's a brother with a different view than mine. And what do I do? Do I dos him? Do I diss him? Do I whatever else him? No, I throw my arms open and I receive him in the name of Jesus Christ. Because that's what my Lord tells me happens in his church. Welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you. Well, what were you like when Christ welcomed you? (laughs) Were you lovely and attractive and holy and pure and kind and thoughtful? No, you were a hell-deserving sinner. 
And Christ looked at you in all your sin and said, but I love them, and I will receive them unto myself. And Paul says, there's a standard for you. You welcome one another. You receive one another. You throw your arms open. Brother, sister, you greet them with a holy kiss or something. We'll get to or something next week. All right, I got to scroll down to the bottom here. So, in the goodness of God, we are easing our way back into the building And what we need to do is love and get along. Some of you are not Christians. There's something more important for you, and that is you need to take your heart up to God and present it to him as a living sacrifice and turn to him and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved, saved from sin, saved from judgment, saved from hell, saved from destruction, saved from yourself. You need to get out of the being my own God business and get into God will be my God business. You need to turn to the Savior. And I'm going to lead you in a prayer. If you're ready to do that, would you pray with me right now, please? Let's all pray together. Father in heaven, we are, we are praying that this will be a day of salvation for people that we love, for family members, for people who are watching with us, for people all over the globe, may the name of the Lord Jesus Christ be lifted up. And may people who are part of this meeting right now, may they say, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. You're a savior. I need you. Please forgive me. Please pardon me. Please turn me to you. Be my Lord. Please Make me a new creature in Christ Jesus. And if you've just called on the name of the Lord, I just want you to know you can connect with us. If you look down below this video, there's a connect card, a video, a virtual connect card there, an online connect card. You can connect with us. We want to help you to get growing in your walk with the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ.